0: This podcast is brought to you by Exergo Technologies, providing some of the most affordable and portable sports science technology on the market. Made by coaches for coaches. Stop guessing, start assessing.
1: Produced from the Cube Studios, this is Strong by Science. In-depth conversations about science-based training, sports performance, and all things health and wellness. Here's your host, Max Schmarzo.
0: What's up, guys? This is the Strong by Science podcast. And of course, who else could it be here today with myself? By popular demand, probably not by my choice. Tired of talking to this guy, the one and only,
1: the bearded wonder, Corey Slusinger. Corey. Oi, 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 oi. Hey, how are we doing? Good, good, good. So, good to be back on. This podcast is a little different. This isn't
0: going to be me asking Corey questions. This is basically you guys, the listeners, asking us a bunch of questions. So I posted on a social media recently, you know, we're about to have a Q&A with Corey. We got, I mean, this stems from, I mean, I did the first podcast with Corey, and then we got a bunch of questions. I did a second podcast with Corey, and then I got more questions. So I was like, you know what? We're just going to make a post on Instagram. Ask your questions. Corey and I can do our best to answer them, qualified or not, we're going to give it a shot. We're going to talk about uh, what you guys are interested in, and hopefully it's uh, enlightening, bring some insights. But uh, Corey, thank you for being here. Corey, by the way, partially versed in these questions. (laughs) Uh, Basically, I gave him a a rundown of nine questions, but they're way more than that. I didn't tell him half of them.
1: He's going to be a little bit more on the spot than myself. Boy, are you ready? Absolutely. Fire away. All right. Question number one.
0: What is the most useful piece of equipment modality or anything else in that regards for younger athletes or younger trained athletes, so those who haven't been in the weight room that much?
1: Um, I think a wall. I think you get a lot of value just with a nice concrete wall. And I know people are. are oh, explain. Uh, yeah, I so, hear Well, think about what a wall can do for you. I mean, number one, it can assess. Number two, it can work posture for all your sprinting mechanics. Uh, number three, uh, you can use it for med balls. So you can use it for power. Um, and so that's what I think immediately. What's the first thing I want to do with my athletes? Well, one I want to assess them. So I love simple things like, a, for instance, a wall squat. Like, let's see how deep you can go without your face smacking into the gr- or into the wall. Or uh, looking at your posture, for instance, uh, your ability to self organize on a a wall squat, but b like I like doing a uh, like a waiter's win- or excuse me, like a windmill, and then have them use the wall so they can gain new ranges. Uh, so once again, you use it as an assessment tool. You can use it as a training tool um, for range of motion. Um, Three, you can use it for strength. Uh, Obviously, you can do a ton of isometrics against it. It's an immovable force. Um, And then all you need next is a med ball, and you can do a lot of throws against it. So, you know, something that's simple that you can find at the park is just a wall. Uh, Also, like an incline. So hill sprints, right? Anybody, anybody can go find a hill. So a hill is another great resource. But if we want to get into some actual equipment, yeah, medicine balls are awesome. Love a trap bar. Like, I've been obsessed with the trap bars lately um, or in the past. Let's say. So a trap bar is a huge one. I love a safety squat bar. But, um, yeah, believe it or not, a wall. Um, and then if I really want, like, a free weight that I can just throw in the back of my car, kettlebell for sure. Kettlebell or a center mass bell.
0: So, because Corey decided to cheat and name like nine pieces of equipment,
1: <laughs> dude.
0: <laughs> it was, was also great. I mean, I've never heard a wall as a piece of equipment. I love that. That's awesome. Um, like a hill, kind of what you alluded to as well. Nature in general, things that we it's not even equipment. It's just like things that we have that we can utilize. So, to to answer the question from my end, and actually p- pick one piece of equipment. I'm picking a sled. Now, the reason why I'm doing that, I'm a big fan of a sled. And this is for anybody across any domain. For the fact that it's probably one of the safest pieces of equipment that you can load for an individual. It teaches them how to move on their feet. It challenges them in a functional pattern. You can pull it. You can push it. You can drag it. You can um, use upper body with it as well. You can go sideways. You can go forward. You can use it for Tons of different things. So uh, a sled, I mean, some of them have handles on them. Uh, Some of them have low handles, high handles. Especially when it's someone that you want to develop maybe better patterns, like a squat, um, a hang clean, or whatever you're doing, you can use the sled as that safe means to overload them in regards to weight, power, and speed without them being concerned with that weight falling on them. So it has multiple benefits from A safety standpoint, the technique is really self-organizing. You push a sled and you typically get in really good positions. And it's easy to cue and coach. You can have them hold that starting position of a sled itself and how they're moving it without them having to move it. So now you can say, okay, get in that position, maintain that position, move it from there and go from there. My opinion and what I go with is the sled.
1: I like the sled a lot too. That makes a lot of sense, especially the one thing that I see leak the most is the lower leg complex. So as soon as you see everybody trying to do these crazy heavy sled pushes or crazy fast sled pushes, you see energy leaks everywhere. And so what's, what I utilize, and I thought about this as a child, was do you remember when you used to push a shopping cart in the open parking lot, right? and you would start skipping with it and bounding? like That was a beautiful training device, just a shopping cart alone. So I take those same principles that you use as a care of the shopping cart and apply it to the sled. So, like you said, like it has so many different aspects that you can work on. I mean, who'd think that you could use a sled for bounding? A lot of people don't use it for that at all. They they use it for conditioning, um, or they use it for the absolute speed component. But I really like it for teaching more than anything, and then assessing from looking at energy leaks with heavier loads,
0: especially if you ever worked with like an older adult population. A sled is a great way to add load to something without you being concerned about them. Oh, you know, is their back going to hold up when they squat? Can they do an RDL in the hinge properly? A lot of these people, and this is from like a private sector side, when you enter and meet with someone the first time, they don't want to just learn a movement pattern. They want to sweat. They want to, they want to train. They want to feel like they did something. And a sled is a good way to safely do that in a very controlled environment. Because the minute They get out of position. They can let go of the sled, reset themselves. You can tempo it. You can make it heavy for maximal strength. You can make it um, rowing. So it's strictly concentric. And because it is concentric by nature in a horizontal manner, you really eliminate some of that, oh, no, is that eccentric load going to be too great? Like versus someone doing like a a lunge, which is, you know, much more uh, demanding than pushing a sled would be.
1: Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I think we got some pretty good ones there. A wall, a sled. That's pretty good. So
0: I'm going to uh, piggyback off of this one, and it is, what is your favorite piece of equipment or most underutilized piece of equipment? And this is not in regards to any training age at all.
1: Underutilized piece of training I'll go ahead. I got That'll one for you. Good. Yeah.
0: Everyone, everyone at Stanford knows this, and they might remember the, what it would be, right? The glute the back extensions.
1: Oh, jeez. Jeez. I uh, swear to God, daily hundreds of reps.
0: <laughs> I, I swear by them. I think, A, they're done improperly sometimes. Mm-hmm. People want to just round the spine and throw their thoracic up to do it. It's really a glute-driven movement. Um, but it's a nice isometric contraction on the erectors with a glute-driven movement. You can change the angles on it. You can load it. We've done stupid things. We've done max effort, um, you know, pulls off of it. Uh, pull three fifteen. Wow. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> for those that want to Excuse me. Um, my, my claim to fame is only being able to back extend weight. But I like it in front, though. Right? I don't like it on your the weight on your back. Right? I'm, not, I'm not pulling 315 on my back. I like it out in front for the fact if you get out of position, um, you can obviously let go of it. But also for the fact that it's forcing you to initiate with the hips, For sometimes when it's on your shoulder blades, you initiate by throwing your chest up. You're not really driving your glutes through. So that's my uh underutilized piece of equipment. And uh I, I was a Westside wannabe, so that's probably where it came from. <laughs> I, okay,
1: so well, well, wow, I guess we're 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 kind of vibing here because mine would be via West Side, their athletic training platform. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Good I choice. Yeah. Might have one up to you. Might have one up to you. <laughs> the uh you the, the ATP, if you will. <laughs> Uh, for those that don't know, is a belt squat, and what's really unique about this specific belt squat is—is anybody seen a pitch arc? Right, a lot of you guys might have seen that as your first hip or your uh, first belt squat. Well, it's fixed, right? So it's kind of like a—it's not a leg press and not a squat. It's right in the middle, right? But it's still in a fixed plane. The really cool thing about ATP or the Athletic Training Platform is it's via cable. And it allows you to move in 360 degrees. You can move forward, you can move backward. So you can literally do whatever you want. Once you hook in and lock it out, at that point, I mean, you could what you could do step-ups with it. You could go lateral. You could uh, do marches, standing, marches, low, squat, deadlift, do whatever you want. So to me, that is one of the most important pieces that, especially with my population in my weight room because it's a way for me to truly load what the lower body is capable, of, or excuse me, capable of, but without uh, the limiting factor of one's upper back or lower back strength. So we do a lot of things off it. Obviously we can do max effort. Um, the other day I posted these crazy pulls that I was doing for uh, speeds um, that to, to replicate or to quantify what we were doing with our kettlebell partner passing. And then, um, and then number three, I love it for conditioning. It's a great way to load up the legs without beating the heck out of the joints. And you can be as specific as you want on it. So for me, yeah, the ATP platform is a, is a must in my weight room.
0: Yeah. I, I love it. That's You know, it's one of those things where I don't understand why that kind of equipment ATP on uh, the platform, or even a pit shark isn't in every recreational gym. Right. Uh, I understand there's some liabilities about someone using it for the first time. but if you're with a trainer or anyone who has supervision for you, and knows how to set it up, it's one of those pieces of equipment that just lets you handle load in a way that you feel much, much more controlled. And I feel like you get a little bit more out of it than when you're confined to a bar.
1: Right. Agreed.
0: Also, uh, I got to get some love, too. These don't count. I'm I'm doing a quarry right here. I'm adding nine other pieces of equipment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like battle ropes or any type of rope action at all. Whether that's wrapped around like a pull-up bar and you're almost, like, almost doing an endless rope kind of ladder or you're doing a speed ladder, not speed ladder, but a mm-hmm. speed um, battle rope slams. Mm-hmm. I think those are extremely effective tools because at times we get so stuck in conditioning for the lower body. We think mm-hmm. conditioning, we think sleds, we think hills, we think runs, we think tempo. But, you know, the, one of the best ways, and this is you're talking about too, is like, how do I find a way for upper body conditioning? And you mentioned, was it the ski ergometer?
1: That that thing is awesome. At first, I was like, I'll never do that, but now I'm all about it.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, no. And I think finding ways to condition, but not just condition lower body, because we so much we lift lower body, we play lower body, we find a way to increase the cardiovascular capacity without having to tax the lower body.
1: Right. Because right. we're all we're always trying to save the legs, you know. Question
0: number three. Yep. I am a young. Strength coach, okay. Wanting to learn more about programming and how to implement it, mm. not, just, not just microdosing, just programming exercises in general. Yeah. What are some of the most effective ways, and what are some of the most effective ways to learn about how exercises work for the athletes? And I'm going to answer this for Corey, almost ahead of Corey.
1: Just go for it.
0: Go for if it. You follow his Instagram page. Corey lives by: you got to practice what you preach. And you have to actually do the exercises yourself. So using the weight room as a means to explore different avenues, explore movement patterns, and not to be constrained to the common thought that we have to squat, clean, press. But we have these other uh, avenues we could
1: go down. I feel like the evolution for all string coaches is, one, you feel validated in your ability to lift in the world of strength, right? So. Everyone comes into the game and they're down an, uh, <coughs> excuse me, an avenue, rather your powerlifting, your Olympic lifting. Um, maybe you came from a track and field background or something that is quantifiable, right? Cause that's the one thing you gotta, you gotta do, right? You gotta validate why you're a strength coach. So everybody goes into possibly powerlifting, weightlifting, or once again, something quantifiable. Me, <coughs> I took the worst route possible. I tried to go into uh bodybuilding, which, sorry for the coughing. Um, which by the way, failed miserably. I was terrible. Um, I look like a glorified swimmer on stage. Um, but what it did though, was what's cool about bodybuilding is it's so creative, right? There's so many different ways to train for hypertrophy. Like you, like you can go wrong, but not really, you know, in strength, you could easily mess yourself up fast. And power, like you could really mess yourself up fast, but in bodybuilding, you know that's why you see all these slaps in the in, in gold's gym and everything still come back every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and bench because you really can't mess it up that bad, so the creativity there it's like you always want to hit different angles, use different equipment, and so you know for me that's where it all started was like when Max was alluding to earlier Yo, you you've got to train like so but the usual evolution for a strength coach is you train for this strength sport, and then you try to apply that to your athletes, and you'll have success, no doubt about it, right? But then you'll start seeing the gray areas, and you'll start seeing, okay, well, maybe I don't have the max effort back squat, or maybe I don't need to competition-style bench press. You know, you'll start looking at those and be like, mm, maybe I shouldn't have spent so much time teaching that clean, which don't get me wrong. I still love the clean snatch and jerks, absolutely. But maybe you don't have to spend so much time on it, and then that's when you start hopefully adapting. And for me, I adapted pretty early uh, because I also played college basketball, so I remembered what it was like to be a player and being introduced to new things. And I was like, "Well, man, I just I, I want to go hoop too." So, like, this is a lot to take on, and. I don't want to conflict with those results. I want to compliment those results. So, the last thing I want to do is bang up someone's wrist trying to catch a clean, right? So, yeah, for me, it's always that evolution and strength that's so interesting as to where you start off as a purist. And then at some point, you go one or two ways you stay in your mold or you start exploring new options. And for me, it was a lot. It was, I went through sub disciplines in mixed martial arts. Uh, ballet, gymnastics, uh, <clears throat> because I looked at, well, who's the best in the world at what they do? <coughs> Terribly sorry about that.
0: You gotta make it, Corey. We, you're on a roll. You might not get there.
1: Jeez. All right. Hey, there? let me.
0: Hey, I got something. I'm gonna fill in here because I like where we're going. Go grab a water real quick. Thank you. And, yeah, yeah. Sure. Coming up. So. I think what is important too, right, it's exploring those sub-disciplines. It's looking at them, but then not getting too enticed by how different they are as well. So I think it's easy to see something and be like, oh, that looks really cool. Um, That's different. It must be the missing link for my program. So now I'm going to only implement that. (laughs) I think that's what happens sometimes. We look at something and we go, oh, well, that exercise, it makes sense, right? We we do need... um, Whatever, it is, you know, more hinging. We need more uh, arch strength. We need more X, Y, and Z. And then you go, oh, I'm only going to apply that because that's my missing link. We so often, I think, forget that all these things fit in together. I, I hate, I really do hate the term, like, oh, that's another tool for the toolbox. Right, <laughs> it's Probably one of my least favorite terms.
1: Unfortunately, I say say it way too often because everyone knows what you're talking about when you say that. But yes, yes, yes. I
0: think it's another paint for the canvas. Right. right? Yeah, because it's not this individual thing that sits by itself that's only there to, you know, screw in a screw, but it's there to make this painting worthwhile for that individual. And so they – They fit in with other areas. It's not this isolated, oh, that's my screwdriver. Um, You know, that is my wrench and X, Y, and Z. Uh, It's This is my canvas. Here's my paint. Here's my palette. And so now I'm going to apply these paints to maybe make a different color, make a different picture. That fits what I want to get out of it. And and my my long rant (laughs) to actually get to it is, is... you know, we see all these things. It's easy to be like, the grass is always greener. It's easy to say, oh, well, that person's doing this and that person's doing that. I think being creative is the most important thing. I also think being logical is very important too. Right. <laughs> I think some of these creative exercises are great to explore. They challenge you yourself, but maybe only one out of 15 you actually apply at any point in time.
1: Well, the real issue is uh, like a quote you, we took from the last episode was well does it solve a problem right like that's where you go looking other sub subdisciplines because once again like what, what who are the best in the world at what they do so for me i think who's probably got the most robust feet because they have to i think ballet like you i mean dance like those they they, they do all that crazy stuff barefooted so in gymnastics so there's there's something to it right so well what are they doing Right now, I'm not necessarily saying, "Hey, guys, we're signing up for ballet class." Right, but what I'm looking at is possibly ups, uh, possibly stances, uh, ways that they do some training or, or even foot care. Right, looking at some of these aspects and be like, "Ooh, that's easily number one applicable." Because if it's not applicable to a mass, you can't explain it. Like what is was Albert Einstein's quote? Like if you can't explain it to a three-year-old, then you don't know the subject yourself. Like once again, you're taking very palatable. Or palatable information and you're trying to spoon feed it to your athletes and hopefully you know you're doing it for a solution you're not just doing it for doing it's sake right um and don't you you ain't doing it for the gram you know that's one thing you see the most is people trying to do it for the gram do it for a solution
0: Mm -hmm. yeah no i like that having a a reason a logical reason behind it too and at certain times right it might fit in and this is an assumption I'm about to make and right? assumptions are dangerous because they make you look like an asshole sometimes. But I feel like there's kind of two classes of people when they first are introduced into strength conditioning, you know, whether you're a strength coach at a college level, you're just learning about it. Um, so you want to be a strength coach at the college level. You you want to be a private trainer. You want to be an, an advocate of strength conditioning. Mm-hmm. You either fall in the traditional has to be, has to be this, or it can't be traditional and it has to be something else. And like, it has to be like either this like crazy distorted exercises. And that's all we're going to do. And we're going to do prehab for 90 minutes. Or you get the group that's like screw prehab. We're going to squat, you know, 10 sets of 10 and, and get jacked. And I think there's a happy medium between it. But I think when you first start, it's natural to fall into a school because that's how the learning process is. You start, you start in a school somewhere you can learn from in school. I mean, a group of individuals that you, extract information from and then you develop and grow but I think what you're saying is really important is how do we develop and grow in a way that we're not constrained by you know schools of thought but instead we're just looking across the horizon and seeing what works
1: Right. agreed agreed man
0: awesome so question knocked out of the way next Over. one right up uh this is like uh, Corey has some good answers to this one I know I haven't even asked it to him yet but I'm, I'm ready for it Okay. um Thoughts on load monitoring, oh, athlete tracking. Now, Corey, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna preface this by Corey pretends to not do a bunch of science, but Corey <laughs> does a bunch of science. So, athlete I monitoring. Athlete and, monitoring. Here and we what, go. what, what, I'm gonna take a step back, and I think we. Need, so, let me ask the question again first, because yeah. I butchered it, and probably people listening are like, "What the hell did he just ask?" Okay. Thoughts on wearables metrics, load monitoring. Um, for an athlete. Now, load monitoring doesn't just mean how much distance someone traveled. Load monitoring is a means of how do I assess how load is also impacting the individual. That's my opinion. And so I know Corey does a lot of force plate testing and he talks about force plate testing. And in my opinion, that is a form of load monitoring, especially the fact that you know, some individuals don't want to wear wearables. And so what's the next best, next best thing that we can actually do? So can you speak to your uh, force plate stuff for a little bit?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not going to claim to be an expert in force plates by any stretch of the imagination. I, my only goal was to take the simplest form of what everybody thinks is a performance metric, a.k.a. a counter movement jump. I think we all agree that if someone looks and sees that they have a higher jump height, they thought they got better, right? So my goal from that was okay. Let's dissect the counter movement jump and go from there. So the some key PIs if you will, or key performance indicators I was looking for was I looked at eccentric braking, I looked at RSI mod, uh I looked at concentric impulse and and then jump height and body weight, right? Or and also we. Dabbled with peak power per body weight, um, and so as we saw as our season went, we, we you know you have your dip as soon as you start uh, preseason because obviously there's an acute spike in load uh, via practice, um, and so then what's really interesting is, and I'm not trying to like pump up the microdosing model by any means, but because of the way we train,
0: pump pump, we,
1: pump, pump, but because of the way we trained. Now, I just took a team average. Now, of course, you got a couple of guys in there that did not have the most positive responses. But also, those couple were red shirts, and I drilled them into the ground from a training aspect. So, yeah. Um, But what you saw was from September to March, a positive trend in jump height. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then what you saw was eccentric braking also going up. But if you looked at how our season went... It was holistic stress in how it got taken away and from a dynamic standpoint and then how we added through our controlled environment. For example, when we're in non-conference play or a preseason and non-conference play, our load, if you will, in the weight room is not as great or as sharp as it is obviously later in our season. The reason for that is because non-conference, we have a crazy travel schedule and our games are inconsistent. So that is an unbelievable stress within itself, right? And then you're continuously modifying practice so thus you're continuously monitoring and being very flexible in your periodization, if you will, in your non-conference schedule. Once we get in a conference, it's awesome. Everything is set. It's Thursday, Saturday. You travel every other week. I mean, we've been studying these guys all year from their non-conference schedule. So practice time basically gets cut in half. So once again, now we have this awesome reservoir to get awesome. Now we can train harder, right? So that's where all of a sudden you're seeing PRs in the weight room that also show PRs in a performance metric or KPI, which is jump height. Now, not saying that that equates to wins because absolutely it doesn't. And not saying that you can't win when you're in the red because you most certainly can. But once again, you have to find a control so that you can at least paint a bit of the picture. Basketball, at the end of the day, paints the rest. But you got to be the foundational piece within your control, because once again, that's what it is. It's a control. So that's something that we do with our force plate testing. Yes, we have GPS. We use on. I can see all their loading on the court, in the games. I can see all of that. Uh, but once again, you're comparing apples to oranges all the time. So unless you have this like three to four years worth of data. So for me, I need safety nets for my safety nets. So when we used to account for practice, now this is for anyone who does not have GPS. I think this is one of the best ways to quantify practice. So one thing that we did in our first year before we had GPS system was I would take all of the drills and in some, in our way, and I'm not going to tell you guys, cause I'm going to create something that you guys want to have to pay for one day um, on how we classify our drills. But we classified our drills as a one, two or three. And then the time that we spent in that drill, then we would multiply. So, for instance, if we're doing a drill and we caught and quantified it as a two and we were in it for 22 minutes, then or let's go 12 minutes, keep it simple. Then that was 24 on our scale. And then we would add it all up at the end of practice. And then now we have our number. So today was a 150. Then we uh, layer that with a subjective data. For instance, we've used the coaching staff. They would tell me how they thought practice was. And then I would use the players for for the RPE and then obviously compare it. So that was a way that all you need is a pen and paper. You don't need all this cool data. And that is a way to have a conversation with your coaching staff. So now you're getting it from two angles, the one receiving the stress, the one prescribing the stress and the third party who's saying, ah, this is probably what's happening. Right. Um, and so once again, when it comes to load management, there's so many different ways of validating it in your own eyes, but it's still super murky water. Like it's still like, ah, because there's too many variables, especially in team sport. If you're a stopwatch sport, you could, you could point the finger at somebody, but in team sports, it's pretty tough.
0: Data, okay, don't take this out of context, anyone. No, no taking out of context allowed. I'm not allowing any quotes <laughs> to go out there on the, the social Twitter, Instagram, yeah.
1: Facebook sphere. Yeah, please like, be careful because it gets you in trouble every time.
0: Data <laughs> isn't worth shit. Oh,
1: There's, I like it.
0: It's um, how you use data that makes it valuable. There's nothing innately powerful or useful about a car. (laughs) There's there's nothing. A car by itself just sits out there, keeps my parking spot dry. It's the guy driving the car that makes it useful. A guy who drives the car can use it to get to work, which brings an income for his family. He can use it as a means of work from where he's now Ubering and picking people up. Maybe he's using it as a way to help save the environment and he got an electric car, so now he's carpooling people. So it's how you use the data, right? No piece of technology is disruptive in nature. right? The the printing press, by nature, wasn't very disruptive. The people who decided to use the printing press were very disruptive. So it's how you use information, how you use data that makes it disruptive. So you can use... The smallest amount of data, if you get the most out of it, it becomes very, very disruptive and useful. When I mean disruptive, I mean something that's disruptive in terms of giving you an edge and providing more value, uh, however you want to describe that. So if you get really good at getting disruptive with data. Well, obviously, the more data you collect, the better, because if you're good at using data, then it becomes more and more powerful. So let me talk in regards to like, I'm wearing a whoop right now with the camera, which is getting charged. I took the charger off. so I gave him a good plug. <laughs> I'm wearing a whoop right now. I wear it every day. Um, we use that resilience code quite a bit. We look at resting heart rate, HRV, your sleep metrics, all in one device. We don't have to worry about actually testing your HRV or your resting heart rate or your sleep because it does it automatically. That data doesn't mean anything, right? It only means something if I look at it and go, "Oh, you know, my deep sleep is crap when I watch television two hours or more later after bed." Uh, but I sleep a lot better if I use uh, remove my TV from the room, I stay off my phone, and now I'm making that data actionable. So if we're talking about load monitoring, wearables for athletes, sure, cool. I, <laughs> it can be useful. It can also be a waste of storage on a computer too. And so it's nothing to do with um, the data itself. And maybe you, let me take a step back because the data is important because you want to collect data that you feel comfortable using. Right? There's no reason to collect data Oh, I got a force plate. I'm going to collect, uh, you know, eccentric integrated force development over 150 milliseconds, over 100 milliseconds, and over 50 milliseconds. And Watch out, you know, like, I'm going to use it, but you don't know how to apply it, then what's the point? Right, it just doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. But if all you do is use it to measure jump height, you know, like you looking up metrics like Corey is comfortable using. Then it becomes powerful because you're not using it to better your decision making itself.
1: Yeah, and that's one thing with like the crazy metrics is, yes, you can. The goal is to start with something that is easily understood by all parties. Like you can't be the strength coach and have all of the knowledge and all of the interpretation, so that no one can or so that no one can question you. Everyone on the team, even the players, coaching staff, the athletic trainers, all the support staff, all has to be well versed. So, a, you're going to have to find a data point or a piece of data that is universal that everybody can understand. If you want to get into the woods with all the you know deeper analytics or the deeper uh, data points, then 100% go for it and then at least be transparent with the information. For example, if I looked at jump height and I was saying, hey, guys, look at everybody's jump height. They're getting better. Everybody's like, man, Corey, you did your job. Good job, man. Awesome. But then when we start looking at certain individual players, and for instance, we had one kid who had a couple of ankle issues. Well. In another setting, I, we use that as our return to play protocol. So one thing that we saw was he had a unbelievable di- uh, dip in his eccentric braking, And we're like, whoa, we're not gonna return that guy to play until we get his eccentric loads back up, one. And number two, like we gotta sharpen that V, if you will. So his RSI mod was terrible. So there's two, two areas where if we didn't have a force play, well, on the court, he looked fine. You know, you know, the AT went through his testing and was like, oh, yeah, look, he cut pain free and he he jumped pain free. So he's ready to go. And It's like, whoa, 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 whoa." no, he is not ready to go. The naked eye, unfortunately, cannot see that. Now, maybe you got some um, really well experienced track and field guys boo maybe for instance or path some of those guys i could actually probably see that but a lot of us uh let's take all the guesswork out and just have a force play and be able to tell us ooh, did we were we where we were right so the the best part about data for me is baselines get a baseline at least if you get a baseline you at least know where somewhat homeostasis is and then when you get injured at least we know we got to at least get back to baseline and hopefully better
0: yeah also um I was just out in Surrey, Canada with Physio Moves Physical Therapy. And what's really cool what they did was they made data not just important for, you know, their uh, their tracking of athletes and individuals, but they used it to empower their business as well. And so this is like a private sector deal. They're using, here comes a plug, right? Plug warning. They're using the G-Flight, right? I, I'm a director hey, of the we're using the G flight. I use the G flight. You should probably use the G flight too. Um, and well, they're using it as a means to assess individuals. And they just announced that they're having a free assessment day in Surrey, Canada, that you can go over. And they're getting performance assessments done because it allows people to get a profile. And maybe they don't stay and train at this facility. Maybe if they get hurt, well, who has the profile? Right, the facility knows your name, knows your information, and that. Piece of technology now has what I call horizontal and vertical value. Horizontal, it means like across your department. You start to uh have that information be a common thread and used across individuals. And then vertically, that it grows beyond what the initial assessment meant. So that is giving and empowering that uh physical therapy clinic in a way that you know you couldn't before because now it becomes unique, it becomes exciting, it also becomes very valuable to the individual getting that assessment. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Question, I don't know what number this is. I don't know why I try. No, I have no idea what number. Question three, four, five, question seventy-three. <laughs> um this is a this is a social media question. This is kind of an interesting question because this is a little bit of the elephant in the room, I don't want to call it that. Um, it's a little bit of something that that people don't want to talk about all the time, but sure. it is important because people got to feed families. Oh, I right. see. Okay. okay. It is a question about social media. And again, I'm paraphrasing this because are like three questions I got at once. And so I don't want to ask all three because they're all written a little differently. So I'll just give you kind of the,
1: the summary of it.
0: How can I essentially use social media to build my brand, build my name, and eventually use it to maybe
1: uh, bring in value to myself? Mm. How, how about this? How about I actually start this one because I'm not that good at it. You are. So, how about I go first because mine's going to be pretty short? Sound okay. good? All right. For me, it all started from a genuine and authentic place. And I think that's where a lot of people make mistakes on social media is they try to replicate someone else or they try to be someone else. My all started from a really authentic and very genuine place. It all started back in my days in Santa Clara when people actually used Facebook and I would MySpace. Yeah, MySpace, right? (laughs) Uh, I would would film an athlete as a form check, right? Like, Corey, my back is this. No, it's not. Like, look, here it is. And so it turned into a it was a coaching tool. And then, you know, it came came PR day, right? We're lifting big weights, and guys wanted those videos. Right. And I remember one guy specifically, I mean, he moved some pretty decent weight for a guy his size. And so yeah, I was like, yeah, shoot. I sent it to him and I was, I was like, I didn't even think they cared about this stuff. And then he posted it on his Facebook. And then I get a call from his mom and I was like, oh God, like this can't be good. And she could not be happy or more happy to see her son doing something else other than basketball. She's like, oh my God, it's so good seeing, we'll call him Timmy, so good seeing Timmy do something else other than play basketball. Like, thank you for doing that. And I was like, I didn't do anything. And then, you know, the coaches came downstairs and they're like, yo, that was really cool. Like, guys really into this. And so now it became this empowerment tool. And then it layered on top of, well, hey, man, like, you know, recruiting like kids, like, let's show them what we do. Like, who, yes, we put balls in nets, but like, let's show them how we build athletes and all this. And so then it started snowballing into this, okay, and then eventually slash strength, if you will, whatever that means. So me, it came from a very genuine and authentic place where I was trying to help athletes. And then now it's just an educational platform. For me to, you know, like, hey, this is some of my experiences, some of my failures. And then it's more of a soundboard for me now. Like, I just want to share things. If you like it, cool. If you don't, I don't care either. Tell me why you don't like it, you know, or tell me why you do like it. Like, maybe there's some validation to it, or maybe you're doing it better. So now I'm learning from you. And then, you know, I think, like, the sharing aspect is dope. You know, it gets to the point where people start getting in these camps, and that's where it's like, okay, whatever. You just got to ignore these people because at the end of the day, if you're doing it for the right reasons, if I'm trying to get free T-shirts out of it, then, okay, that's probably not the right reason, right? But, but for me, it's all started to a pretty authentic free T-shirt. You, you
0: yeah. know, yeah, yeah man, Max, I need a
1: Strong it. By Science shirt, man. What's up? Well,
0: oh, before I dive into that, <laughs> that's a funny story. I made uh, – my dad actually made me a Strong By Science shirt once. He's like, you need one. He made it for me and it was cool but then I was like oh, I'll make one actually and I made it and the guy on the logo was running with the same arm and the same leg <laughs> <That's laughs> so cool. I never made another one I was cool. so ashamed of it I posted it because I was really excited I was like oh you know I spent like 25 bucks on this t-shirt <laughs> it was like check out what? this cool shirt I made and yeah, then some boring. guy goes yo that's pretty dope except the dude's running with a worst form ever <laughs> i was like oh my gosh you're right he's like i'll get one i'm gonna try to sell it i just got it because i wanted a, a t-shirt for myself
1: like um, in the strength world that'd be like a fake gucci shirt like it's super valuable because it's it's a knockoff right but like, <laughs> I, like I, have,
0: I like it i still have it it's hilarious I, I i wear it um as just a shirt to wear i'm like i look at him like man i hope no one ever asks me like Hey, are you strong by science? Because why does I do running like an idiot? I'm like, oh god, <laughs> that's on me.
1: Bro, that's actually really funny. Sorry, we're migrating right now because my phone, my charger's going dead, or my phone's, or excuse me, computer's going dead.
0: Corey's gone rogue. He's, he, Go we're rogue. going like Go GoPro style. Oh, with mobile
1: here. podcasting. <laughs>
0: so,
1: um, yeah,
0: no, it's a, it's a fair question, um, and it's a question I don't think people always want to address because people. I think Brett Bartholomew will bring this up, and he's like, you know, people in the strength conditioning world don't want to talk about making money. It's, it's not a common thing. That's something that we should all be proud of each other trying to do because we're all in this together first and foremost. I, I thought that was an interesting talk. Um, I heard him mention that at the Power Conference out here in Inglewood, uh, Cal- not California, Colorado, uh, last year. But to give you some background, my like, My Instagram page, Corey, I don't know if you remember this, but I didn't have my name on it anywhere. I was actually afraid of putting my name on it. Um, It was strong by science. And I said, providing useful, insightful, science-based training material. And just like Corey said, I made this because I wanted a page that posted useful, insightful, science-based training material. And there wasn't one out there. And I was like, well, I I want this, and I'm just going to make it. And if someone out there likes it, cool. If not, that's okay. And I remember being very embarrassed about it because I didn't have my name on it. I didn't want people to know it was me. Uh, I, I never posted it on any of my personal accounts ever. I still haven't to this day. Like it's one of those things where I'll do it, um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll associate my name to it. Obviously, I'm proud of what it's become. It's not something I've ever think of posted on my own personal page. I just, I, I did it for myself originally. I did it because I wanted to see something like that and I wanted to learn from it and I wanted to share with others. I thought there were a lot of cool ideas I'd read and, I was like, well, if I like these, then maybe someone else might like them. Right. So, first and foremost, I made this page like incognito, borderline ashamed of it. And then I was like, well, you know, I want to make a website because I want to write more, I want to write longer in detail. And I thought it'd be cool. And so I'm With the money up front. I built a website and actually the guy I used to train back at Iowa state um, was a website developer. And so I remember bringing him the stuff and be like, I don't know how this works at all. I don't understand websites. I don't know how to even, you know, where, I don't know how to begin. Like, Oh, you go here, you go here, you click here. I was like, okay, dude, I'll train you. (laughs) Just please. I'll come over. Give me 20 minutes. I know it's going to be easy for you. It's going to take me four days to reset it up. So I ended up setting it up. And again, my name was never on this at all. And what I originally made this for is just a place that I could share information. Uh, It was never from the intent of, oh, I want to build something. I want to, you know, monetize and grow and make a business. And I want people to like my posts. No, I I never have been that way. Um, I I probably do a poor job of not responding to enough people who leave comments. And I apologize for that. But I use it as a means to share information um, connect with individuals when I can, but I also have other things going on where we like a podcast, for example, that we're just trying to provide information with individuals in a much larger scale. And so when you're talking about the business side, right, don't think of it as a business. Think of it as making a solution to a problem. Like Corey said earlier, right? I'm not trying to, you know, Oh, everyone, you know, add campaigns and marketing. Cause if you do something that's not genuine, it's not going to last very long because you're just not going to give a shit about it. You're just, you're not going to care. Um, you're not going to like it. And as weird as that sounds, like I remember the first time I made an Instagram post where someone just like brashed me in the comment thread. They, they just attacked me. and I was like, I felt really bad and I felt really bad because I cared. <laughs> like I I cared what people thought about the post because I was trying to share information that people would like. And I remember, making it and someone just ripping into me and being like I remember like being really perturbed by it and be like oh my gosh like my posts are horrible like I feel bad because I tried making something that people liked, and I did it because I liked it and I enjoyed it and kind of like anything that anyone's ever written if you've ever gotten it ripped apart you understand like you probably cared about it and that's why you didn't feel good about someone being mean to you about it and unfortunately people are going to be like that and that's how social media is so if you guys are out there just don't be mean to people be nice
1: <laughs> I mean, someone told me this a long time ago the more haters you have the, the better you're doing it. so <laughs>
0: <laughs> well they, i must be doing pretty bad because a lot of people are really nice on this page i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys um yeah no but really though people and i don't hold anything against anyone if, if you build a car and you want to sell it to me I should probably buy the car. I don't expect you to give me a car for free. People in every other profession who write books and they, and they charge you for the book and strength and conditioning. We're all really nice and we're all kind to give each other free stuff, but I see nothing. I buy books. I buy people's books all the time. I buy books that I like. I buy books that I don't like, but I know it supports the person. I know they built it or build it, made it, wrote it, edited it, and they invested time of their life to provide me information. And if I don't give them some, something in return, well, and they're going to stop providing information to me because it's not very lucrative. Then they continue to invest their time
1: themselves. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's money is the ultimate voting cast, right? Like that every dollar you spend, wherever you spend it, it's a vote. And you're voting for what that is. So you shop at Whole Foods compared to Costco or whatever. You're voting for wherever that is. So, you know, I mean, it's like, like artists, like you just fall in love with the artist. So that CD didn't really hit, but you still bought it for the artist anyway. Uh, but that's what you start seeing now is in strength. Maybe I don't know why why you see it so much in strength, but it's always give me, give me, give me. Like that's the thing that I get all the time is. Well, can can I come see you? Can I do this? Can can you give me more information on this? And it's like, okay, well, you got to understand there's a lot of people out there that want things. Um, what do you give back? You know, like I think giving a lot of these Instagram posts or the IGTV or this podcast we're doing right now, like Max, no offense, you're not paying me, right?
0: <laughs> and I'm not you know, going any dollars for this. This is yes, a zero, exactly. zero money game.
1: So, you know, but we we're friends. We developed this relationship. I get a lot of knowledge from you. You know, like I'm, I'm hoping that I'm reciprocating something to you via throwing a kettlebell at you, you know, things like that, that we have a mutual benefit. So if I can give anybody advice out there, offer something if you want something, because that's currency and that's someone's time. And if they're probably doing a lot of content or they're at a certain job and they're, they're doing all these other things, they probably ain't got time for it. So look at it in their eyes and then on I'm, I'm, you might get the answers you're looking for.
0: No, that's a great way of putting it, putting it because there's a lot of free stuff you put out there. There's a lot of free stuff that you put time into making and providing and giving to people. So that's a lot more than you know, Elon Musk gives me. I don't have a Tesla, but he's not out here making Instagram posts on how to make his Tesla. Like, like I'm that. not comparing myself to Elon Musk. He's a little bit smarter and does a lot cooler things. I never made a flamethrower I haven't been on Joe Rogan's podcast. So I, I can't claim any of that. And I get yeah. like maybe once I maybe once I make a flamethrower, I can start, you know, <laughs> keeping it all to myself. Um, mm-hmm. no, but the, the truth is I think it comes from because our the professional strength condition is such a tutelage based program where you learn from someone and that dynamic has shifted so far. In the past 10 years because information has become more prevalent easier to access um there's online right there's so many websites and social medias and free journal articles that you can read yourself but if you look at other industries like people pay money to do uh certain internships and go to conferences with people who uh again we do this too don't get me wrong right but it, the, the process is like you gotta pay a ton of money to go to uh like law school right a ton of money yes and you don't go to a lawyer and just learn underneath him (laughs) not really you don't just go and have a tutelage and our industry is weird because you'll have people who do like nine internships and they're paying tons of money for all this stuff and the return isn't really the same as going to law school because it's this weird mix of what's the demand in the market for people willing to pay. And I think that comes back a lot to the strength conditioning world. I mean that not as like individuals fighting each other, but it's the demand that you should be demanding. You you should not be afraid. Like, and this is tough because if you think about it, if you were a private sector coach and you got paid, let's say, this is kind of a low rate, honestly, but you got paid 50 bucks a head that you trained. Let's just say that. Sometimes some people will charge a little bit more than that, and um, that's totally fine. I get it. Nothing no, nothing against it. But let's say you $50 a, a a kid, a person. Well, as an S&C coach, you might train 30 people, right? You might train them four times a week for an hour. So that's 30 times 50 times four. That's $6,000 in a week, right? That, that's, that's probably not equivalent to what you're getting paid. Right. Back. And so it's it, it's weird. Like you have this. Like if I did this in the private sector, I make way more money. If I make it in a public sector where I'm training these people. Even if you even made half of that. That's three thousand dollars a week.
1: Week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's four training sessions. That's thirty people. That's fifty dollars a head. That's not an unheard of price in the private world. But if you talk about the public world. And you're a coach who probably trains more athletes than that. You ain't getting paid per athlete very much. But the time that you put in to train that athlete to get to where you are has been a ton. And so I'm not against anyone ever dabbling on the private side, you know, trying to help build their name, because all it does, it helps everyone else. It helps everyone else. And the market realized that, you know, these guys, these guys can help reduce blood pressure, right? They can reduce all cause mortality. They help you live longer. Strength coaches are medicine, right? They're they're a form of helping you in a way that can get you over time, better benefits for long-term living and longevity. You probably pay a little bit more to go see your doctor to get blood pressure medication. He walks away than you pay to go see a trainer, right? Who's going to take you through lifelong habits that get you to where you are to where you want to be over time.
1: Right. Now, I like that, Max. I like that a lot.
0: That's a rant. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, I mean, to do the numbers, right? You just did the math on it. It's crazy. Like it doesn't make any sense.
1: The only difference is uh, you get provided your athletes in our setting or in my setting. I don't have to go get those athletes. So that's the one part that is kind of nice. Like I do like that aspect where I don't have to be the guy at the corner going, come to my gym and train.
0: Oh, but here's something else. I got one for you. So uh, Cure, I can't, rugby strength coach, Cure William. What's his last name? Uh, Awesome guy. (laughs) I butcher it all the time. I'm sorry, Cure. He's a cool dude. Awesome dude i apologize but he made the point that you know if you're on a salary and you lose your team let's say you got 20 kids you lose them all at once so you go from whatever money you make to zero if you're in a private sector you can lose one person at a time so right. you can lose one of your income versus the entirety of your income right
1: That's so right.
0: there's that coin like oh yeah you got all your athletes provided but you get, you get them all taken away at once Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a give and take uh, yeah, yeah, interesting topic. Uh, we could probably spend all day
1: talking For about sure. that one. For sure.
0: But ultimately, yeah, I mean, be yourself. Do what you like. Enjoy it. Like, just enjoy it. And don't get up. Like, just do something you like and you're passionate about and you care about. If that's, you know, making Instagram videos. If that's cooking dinner. that's whatever the heck it is. You know what I mean? Like, if you just enjoy what you're doing. Um, on top of that, I, I moved all my notes because I was writing something down. I like what Corey was saying. If you're watching the pocket, I have like a pile of like <laughs> notes here. It's just a mess, and I I lost my uh my my question list.
1: No, that's, you know I mean? that looks like my desk at work. Don't worry. I'm <laughs>
0: to... This desk is an absolute. I, mean, I love Kelsey. She's I don't know how she puts up with me. This. this I wish people could see it right now to go not go on too big of a rant. My podcast in the middle of this, I just downgraded apartments. Cause like Kelsey, I don't want to pay for you know, a loft that we're not using. So I get, I'm a cheap ass and get the smallest apartment possible. And now I have the computer stacked up on books. With, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like my microphone's on a stand. It's actually on the box that it came in. <laughs> it's a cardboard box just sitting here. And, yeah. I got like headphones and books spraw- sprawled all over the place. And she just wants to sit down and have dinner. So thank you, Kelsey. I appreciate your your patience on that one. But for those listening, like this place, is, it, it's not the best for a podcast, but we get it done. So I'll uh, we'll get back on topic here. Okay, here Last are. question for you, Corey. I don't yeah. want to take up your day, your time, and your evening. <laughs> this is on top of the, conver- the conversation we just had. Resources for information. Um, I get this question, maybe daily. Yeah. What are your top resources for information? And I'm going to take this one off the bat because I actually, I mean, (laughs) I can't hold back, Corey. I apologize. Go for it. I got a rant brewing. Um, First off, there's the internet. Great resource. PubMed. Another great resource for all things research. Um, ResearchGate. Also, a great uh, resource. Um, these are things that you can look at for free. They just require your time to find. I mean, if you just type in you know, what the topic you want to look at and end it with research, you're going to get a list of research articles on that. And so you're going to have, you know, research article here, research article there of whatever you want. So the Google machine's pretty good. Like, <laughs> that's the majority of my uh, of my resources the old google machine Um, i I just type things in and hopefully something cool comes up and that's how i do it It, it, that's one of the um easiest ways to do it but now the question itself it holds some context to it that kind of doesn't bother me but it makes you reminds me of a mistake i constantly make and that is as if an answer from that question is going to solve your problem (laughs) if i told you you know this is this is the oh Oh, information. Oh, I forgot. Like, this book is the one that has all the information in it. Silly me. You know, like, this is it. Um, there's not one thing that has information in it that, well, a lot of things that have information in it. There's not one thing that has all the answers. I did this mistake. I bought a 650 page book and I bought it with the intent to just understand what certain lab values mean. But the whole book had like 480 pages of not lab values. And I, I picked it back up today and looked at it. I'm like, oh my God, like I did not understand this. <laughs> I didn't read half of this. I, I, I read it, air quotes. But I was so busy looking for something that I missed everything else. Mm-hmm. Right? You're so busy and trying to find that single answer that you overlook everything. It's like, it's like you're trying to find a corner on the ground and you missed the $100 bill next to you. Like, oh, I dropped my quarter. I'm looking for it. But you're so busy looking for it that you miss everything else. So we talk about information, right? We're so busy looking for that one piece of information that you miss all the other information that's right in front of you.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I don't want to jump in too early, Max, because I know you can probably go forever on this. Um, But for me, go go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so I'll keep mine really, really simple. There's only a few books that I just continuously lean on for most of the listeners here, actually for all the listeners, but I mean, there's only one book that I really need and it's going to sound super, super elementary and basic, and you're not going to be probably knocked over with the answer, but easy strength by Dan John is literally the only book I need as far as getting guys stronger Getting guys more athletic, like training for strength like that's literally the only book I need with that being said, just I go find the best people in the world of what they do, and that's where for me it sends me down rabbit holes and that's where I get my information. The last thing I want to do is sit down and go to PubMed that's the last thing I want to do The first that's thing you should be you Max because, because I like you go do that stuff and then I Try to retain the information from. And then he body.
0: comes on my podcast because he's reciprocating. it.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. That's all I got to do. Like, I mean, I I go to really smart people, and you know, I'm at a point now where I can at least open that door with almost anybody and just get great information. But once again, just like we were talking about earlier, you got to give something back. And so for me, I give back unbelievable experience in so many different domains. Like I train high level pros in sports that you wouldn't believe. Basketball obviously is a huge one. Football is another, all the way to some Olympic sports. You know, so that's where like I got experience that a lot of people don't even come close to having. And then with that being said, like who are the old people that have done it the most? Like guys that I think that I've still not tapped into. Buddy Morris to me has got to be one of the most brilliant people that I have still yet to met. Like I want to meet him so bad. Uh, so if you're listening to this, that'd be awesome, but I would love to meet you, buddy. Um, like guys like that legends, Alver Mill, Gee, there's not much further you need to go. Like Alvormeal is fantastic. Uh, and that to me, like, that's my resources is go to coaches, you know, go to coaches and have something else to offer. And I would pay, I mean, I would pay $500 just to sit down with someone like that for an hour. Honest to God, because to me, I'll get way more information in that than me trying to search through a book, because yes, you can read about a situation, but you can't live a situation. You can only hear that from someone who's actually experienced it and experienced the pitfalls and the successes of it. It's one thing to write it in a book. It's another thing to actually do the thing.
0: Yeah. To go on that, if you're, I think reading and applying need to go together, if you read it, apply it, like (laughs) try your best to understand it and not just be like, well, this book said that. If I do a hypertrophy week for three weeks, hypertrophy phase for three weeks, then I do this, then I'll get, you know, they made that outline to help guide you, not to control you. So here, get your pen and paper out. I'll give you the six books that I recommend to anyone who interns underneath myself. All right. So I'll I'll pause because I get this question live. Actually, I think I posted this before.
1: I don't know if you know go this, Max, but I think you can pause on a podcast and then rewind and then go back. But anyways, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. just going to talk really
0: slow. <laughs> <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> the number one book, okay, no particular order, but maybe, is a Lean Startup. Okay, by the way, before I do this, these books I recommend are not just strength conditioning books. So if you go look it up, like, that's not a strength conditioning book. I must be talking to someone else. And so these are the six books I recommend, period. You want to learn more um, and better understand, in my opinion, this world and how it works from, not just the strength conditioning side, but learning from different domains. So let me start over. Number one, The Lean Startup. Probably one of my all-time favorite books. I think I've read it like four times. I gave it to my dad and said, hey, you got to read this. I've given it to many people. They actually have a free youtube version that someone reads out loud that must have been pirated if you want to support him you can buy it or you can just go on youtube and listen to it support the guy buy it buy it, it i would buy i hate listening to stuff man buy it read it highlight it talk to your friends about it that's number one number two is why the brain always wins or the brain always wins i always butcher the name of it but it talks about the brain and why it is so important um to what you have in life and why we need to consider a very holistic approach to what we do. Number three, why zebras don't get ulcers. Excellent book. Um, Anyone wanting to learn about uh, the autonomic nervous system um, and in a fun, engaging way, that's a great book to read. Number four is creative confidence. These are by School of Design teachers at Stanford University. Very excellent book. Number five, this is a strength conditioning book, is Science and Practice, Strength Conditioning. This is a Strength, Conditioning, Science and Practice, Vladimir Zatorsky. All-time classic book. People love it. I love it. It really gets you kind of going that right path to begin to look at and go down the rabbit hole of different topics. And number six, Physics for Dummies, book number one. Understand physics. Like, I hated physics, man. I ended up writing a book on physics, ironically, but I hated it in school. I didn't. If you understand physics, you understand movement. If you understand how physics can be integrated and manipulated and applied, then that's great. Um, Bonus research article on complex systems, uh, an injury based approach or injury based approach to complex systems, something like that. It's a great paper. I can't, I don't, for being quote unquote, like knowing some stuff. Like I can't remember anything. <laughs> I'm horrible <laughs> with names. Like I apologize. Um, I read another website. It's Steve Blank's website. Amazing website. Corey, I suggest you check that out. Actually, you'll like that one a lot. Okay. Okay. And then two books I've been reading l- recently are um, "Building Your Story Brand," excellent book as well, um, and "Blue Ocean Strategy." And I'll give "Hooked," uh, "Hooked," H-O-O-K-E-D, as a uh, kind of A good book, but not necessarily something you need to read right away. And I'm looking at it right here because a bunch of holes in it. We had a dog over it and tried to eat in the book. Fun fact. (laughs) It's a great book, you know, if you want to dive into it. Those are the books I recommend. Um, If you want something science-related, go read Super Training and try and understand it. Do your best. But realistically, like I really like those six books. They really challenge the way you think in a very unique manner.
1: Yeah, that answer right there just... Basically summed up me and Max in a nutshell. So (laughs) Max has (laughs) an extensive multi-genre book collection, and I gave you mother one. (laughs) I gave y'all one. (laughs) It's all you need. Like if you want to be a meathead, you just gotta have one, (laughs) Max.
0: That's like asking what wines you like. I'm like, oh, Chardonnay, like Pinot Noir, and you're
1: like four loco. (laughs) I'm like, give me Tuscate. I'm good. (laughs) Give me (laughs) Tuscate.
0: Give me that bush light, <laughs> the beer water. Oh, that's hilarious! Hey, but when it comes to the, the true connoisseurs, if you're in town and you want to make Corey Slushinger happy, oh, God. and you want to pay him for time, hey. it is eat coffee. No, I, 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 I apologize. I take it back. Holy hell! Bill's coffee. I apologize. Oh, Corey's gonna kill. Bill's coffee. Bill's coffee. Bill's coffee. It's his Corey, name. what is what is your coffee of choice at Bills?
1: It is the Soul Train. It's off the list. Right. So. If you're in, oh, you are in Palo Alto,
0: you better go to this place. I have no affiliation with it. I actually only been there like one time before, Corey. I don't remember it that well. Like I, I went and I was like, "Oh, I was getting like a regular coffee." Corey goes, "You got to meet me here, man. I'm like
1: this is a coffee place, man. You got
0: to meet me here." I'm like, "What are you, why are you talking like that? First off, like,
1: <laughs> like in my eyes, it's like a speakeasy, like." The true appreciators of coffee, no fills, right? Like I show you, up that's why you, right, you go to Peace <laughs> Starbucks. You
0: know, Corey's eyes the size of silver dollars. I showed like, hey, Yeah, you can get that Soul Train. Well, I don't know. I don't know what I've been here before. What, what, what's good? I'm what I get Soul Train. Look at the menu—like <laughs> 885 <laughs> coffees. What is <laughs> this place? yo? like the best. Oh, if, that's better.
1: what is—the is, best.
0: So, if you guys were asking. Oh, maybe this wasn't it wasn't. Maybe it would have been a question, but now it doesn't have to be a question because we asked it. Your yeah. favorite coffee? We knocked that one out ahead of time. That yeah. was preemptive. Yeah. We we were proactive on that co- that question right there. How can you make Corey Slushinger happy if you decide to come visit him? Buy me coffee. coffee. Yeah. Lots and co- lots of fills. Soul yeah. train. Yeah. And just bring a bring like one of them Home Depot buckets over, and tell them to fill them to the top. Is all you need to say.
1: Uh, it'll be it'll, it'll get drunk first hour for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You'll handle it. All right, Corey, my man, my yeah. dude. Um, before we hang up here and take you yep. offline, because I gotta start making dinner because the lady's about to come home and I'm on dinner duty because she works late.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Exciting projects you got going. I know Corey has something always in the kitchen cooking.
1: Corey, oh, yeah, dog, always a possibility
0: of Corey Schlusinger. Developing a talk he's been putting together about mm-hmm. human capacity, human movement, human development. Oh. Me, myself, and I might be in it as well, but it doesn't have to be. I want it to be. He wants it to be. I need a lot of Chipotle to get me no, <laughs> to get me through Palo Alto Soul. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, but he's got something cooking in the kitchen. Um, he sent me some stuff. It's smelling pretty good. <laughs> Can you share any of this? Is this okay? I know we've yeah, there's been rumors of you kind of going possibly, I don't I hate to call it a tour, but speaking engagements that people have asked you to dive into. Can we talk about it at the moment and what stages are we at with this?
1: You know, for my career for the past three or four years, it's been, you know, come do a do a speak or or excuse me, come do a speaking engagement at our conference, right? Come to our clinic and speak and you know, I, I've always been honored. Like to me, I used to sit. I mean, I remember I was sitting in my orange Campbell 100% cotton faded t shirt that said Campbell University on it. looked like a prison shirt. Not even kidding you. And sitting there and watching these presenters. And I was like, man, I want to be him one day. Like that great. And so finally, I got to the point in my career where I can actually talk about a couple of things. Once again, I'm not that good, but I'm just talking about a couple of things that I'm very passionate about. But now I'm getting to the point where, you know what, like, instead of speaking to someone else's clinic, let's let's do our own thing, you know, and so, you know, maybe I can talk about how we're partnering together, I may leave that to you, but doing some partnering work um, with Max, and then doing some courses. And so I think this is going to be really exciting in the future. Um, I love how Max put this out nationally or internationally, depending on who's listening. Uh, So that puts a lot more pressure on me to actually get it done, because I love great ideas. I love starting great ideas. I'm not necessarily what you call the closer of good ideas. So thank you, Max, for putting that pressure on me. I like it. Uh, By the way,
0: I'm going to step in here and give you guys some context. Corey is holding back on what he's told me. (sighs) Kept the gate shut. I'll I'll let I'll let a little bit loose. Corey's going to dive into some of his micro dosing methods that we've all talked about, but much more than just that. He's talking about some of the assessments that he does, and not just assessments in terms of objectification numbers, but you know how do you assess an athlete for what they're capable in that specific domain? How can you advance it? How can you, you know, progress and regress? And how do I better understand? How someone moves from a human movement standpoint. So we're not just talking about are they squatting, are they clean, are they deadlifting, but let's really get at some base level stuff. I mean, base as in foundational, not base like low level understanding. Some foundational aspects that everything can be applied on top of. It's a universal concept of training where it doesn't just you know it doesn't replace anything. It fits into. It is augmenting. It is benefiting that program itself so Corey who's sitting here smiling and grinning because he ain't saying nothing about anything he's got wow. it close to his chest <laughs> That's background to it um so very excited I'm excited I know Corey's excited we're excited because Corey's put his whole life in this kind of stuff he's been working on it he's been writing um organizing some thoughts he's uh him and I I'm kind of helping him organize some of the aspects very small amounts of it, but it's his brain and his beard. <laughs> and I'm just along for the ride to get all the information ahead of time. Really yeah. exciting. Um, he's, been, he's been kind of leaking some of the information on the Google Jamboard and the IGTV. Yep. So if you guys want free information, Corey's been making longer videos. He's starting to work some of the stuff out. But I would say pen to paper, but more like a, well, I don't even know what you call it. Like yeah. uh, a magic board. Um, yeah. So very exciting. Check him out. at slash Instagram, Corey, my man, my dude. If 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 you guys want him back, I I got his number. <laughs> but popular demand, I, I thought I was gonna have Corey on like two months from now, like three months from now. Hey, you gotta get Corey back on. You gotta get Corey back on. You gotta get Corey. Okay, gee, yeah, I'll do it. Fine. Like I don't like the guy that much. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Corey's my dude, um, good friend, and I really appreciate him taking the time to be on and again, sharing that information that. It's hard. You don't get a guy like this sitting down for one hour to talk, let alone doing it three times on one podcast. So, Corey, really appreciate it, my
1: man. Thank you. I hey, ain't no worries, Max. Appreciate you. Much love, my man.
0: All right, guys. I thank you for listening. Hopefully, you got some good takeaways. No, I mean, I apologize. We didn't get to all the questions. I got like five papers full of questions. I'm holding them and shaking in front of the screen. I showed the back of it, actually. You can't. Looks like there's no questions on it. I'm going to show it. <laughs> Proof questions, like I guess. writing on it and whatnot. Um, I didn't even show the whole thing time. My gosh, I'm bad at this. I don't know my camera that cool. Um, so thank you, Corey, again. Really cool to have him on. I really appreciate all you guys who listen to because this podcast, we're getting some higher production value. I'm looking for an office space. I'm putting my money into this to make it a higher quality. I haven't made anything off of it. Be very blunt with you. Nothing. Right. I'm trying to give you guys some information. And the support you guys have given me from the start, where I'm using this dog crap microphone, So now I went out and got a real microphone, it has been awesome. So again, thank you guys so much for everything. I uh, appreciate it. Got some really cool guests. I know I say that every time, and I every time I we got some really cool guests coming up. We actually really do have some really cool guests coming up. I'm super excited. They're people that are making me do my homework before time, so I don't sound like a dumbass when I'm on here, prepping <laughs> some questions um, and. It's going to be really cool. And so I appreciate you guys for listening. Stay tuned in. And we're going to keep having this wide diversity of individuals, whether it's Corey, or we got guys talking about AI technology, we got design thinkers lined up. We got a lot of people coming in the, in the queue here. So thank you guys once again. Really appreciate you and take care. Be safe. Thank you.